be off for that day to be on a Sunday, a day of worship. I believe uh, it's a season now that God is saying it's time for the church to rise up and to attack the demonic realm. That on that day, while worship is going forth, every demonic stronghold, every demon imp and every work of the enemy uh, will be at bay. But the hand of the Lord will be on that day. And we're going to see victory in some things. Can you say amen to that? And then, you know, of course, there's a school of thought and a, 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 a mindset that that day is a day of demonic activity. And we should, as the church, not worship on that day. Now, I'm not saying that we should go out and trick or treat and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, the Harvest Day is actually a Jewish holiday that has been set apart for the celebrating of the harvest. We're now in harvest season. Amen. It is the Shakuth. We're, we're in that time where on the Jewish calendar is the time of harvest. It's the time that they would come out and they would actually celebrate during this time. But Satan has hijacked our holiday. Yeah, has hijacked the holiday. Now it has become this demonic thing that nobody wants to celebrate and to uh, give honor and glory to what God is doing in this season. Somebody shout, it's harvest time. So every year we should celebrate harvest time. Amen. Amen. However you decide to celebrate it, cupcakes, cotton candy, tootsie. We're going to have a great time. Bring your kids out. It's going to be a phenomenal time that we're going to have on that day. Let's go to the word of God on this evening. Amen. <clears throat> Grab your Bibles, if you would. Second Chronicles, chapter number seven, verse 14. Very familiar passage of script, scripture. <clears throat> Second Chronicles, Old Testament. Then we're going to go New Testament. First Corinthians, chapter number 12. Second Chronicles, Old Testament, chapter number seven. Jump over, hold your finger there. And we're going to go with the first Corinthians, chapter number 12. And according to our tradition here, would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? We're going to forgo our faith declaration confession on today. We'll start in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. We'll start New Testament and go backwards. You, you know, I, I got a revelation the other day. You know, we read from Genesis to Revelation, but God always starts at the end and goes to the beginning. So really, our lives begin in Revelation, not in Genesis. <laughs> okay. God always starts at the end and then he moves forward to the beginning. So God had to show you the end before the beginning because in the end we win. Hallelujah. So you already have the victory. You are already seated in heavenly places. It's already been established. So revelation is the start of things. But in in humanity is the manifestation of the start of things. We just got to catch up to the end. Amen. Amen. Somebody shout I have the victory. First Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 27. Talked about it on Sunday. We're going to leap from Sunday to Tuesday. Verse number 27 says, now you are the body of Christ. My shout, I am the body. And each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, 
of guidance and of different kinds of tongues. Are you with me? Different kind of tongues. I don't know why I had 2 Corinthians. Oh, there we go. Yeah, there we go. 2 Corinthians. Chronicles, I'm sorry. Jump over to 2 Chronicles, chapter number 7, verse number 14. It says, if my people (laughs) who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, who will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Watch the progression. He says, if my people, first you got to be his people. Hallelujah. Next, he says, who are called by my name. You have to humble yourself. In your humility, you have to pray. And while you're praying, you're seeking his face. And as you're seeking his face, you have to turn from your wicked ways. So as you're seeking his face, watch this. In your seeking, it calls you to turn. It's in your seeking that it will cause you to turn from your wicked ways. So here it is. We have to tell people, watch this. People so often want to turn from their ways and then turn to God. It'll never happen. How many of you were out there in the world like myself and say, I'm, I'm going to come to Jesus when I get up, when, you know, when I get my life right? Uh, I got to get my life right first. I don't want to be a hypocrite like them hypocritical folk in church. I don't want to be like them. I want to get myself right first. Then I'm going to come to God. It'll never happen. Because in your process of trying to get yourself right, you get wrong more and more and more. Hallelujah. And if you could have gotten yourself right, you would have gotten yourself right a long time ago. But you can't, not by yourself. So as you're seeking God, it forces you to turn from your ways, your wicked ways, because God is not in the way of the wicked. Hey, God. So as you're seeking him, you're getting further and further away from the wicked things because God is not close to the wicked. Hallelujah. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Father, we thank you for the healing tonight. God, we give you glory. We give you praise. And as we move from tents to tabernacles, God, Father, we worship and adore you. We draw closer to you for you have declared, God, if we draw nigh unto you, you would draw nigh unto us. So let there be a great drawing on tonight. Draw from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Pull those who are anchored in darkness. Pull them up so that they can be settled and anchored in the marvelous light of your glory. Father, we bless you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Somebody shout amen. Amen. And amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. I'm going to put him on the spot, but my son is here in town. Amen. Hallelujah. Wait, wait, wait. My, my eldest boy, my eldest seed is in the house. Praise the Lord. Malik Rishore. Amen. Taught me how to be a father. Amen. Glory to God. Yeah, you sure did. <laughs> Woo. Jesus. <laughs> Amen. He is the one who made me a father. Amen. You're not a father unless you have sons or daughters. You're not a father until then. 
Hallelujah. But you can be a daddy without a biological. Hallelujah. He taught me to be a father and a daddy. Amen. I'm trying to get rid of the daddy part, though. That is the sustainer and the supplier. Amen. That means he in my pocket. (laughs) Glory to God. Anyway. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're talking about the church on Sunday. Write this down. Take notes. I want you to be note heavy on tonight uh, because we have to establish some things in your hearing and correct some things about the church and to establish some things. Because I believe in this season, God is uh, not reestablishing his church, but establishing how his church should really be. Uh, So it may sound like a reestablishment. But God cannot reestablish what he's already established, right? What God has done, he's already done. God is not tweaking what he's done. He's not twisting what he's done. He's not, it, what God has done is done. Amen. Somebody shout, it's done. But what he has to do is he has to recalibrate us so that we can fit to what he has already done. So the church has gotten out of whack. Amen. Y'all not going to agree with some of this, but I tell you what, it's the Lord. So the essence of the church is not a building, but a calling. The essence of the church is not a building, but a calling. Remember, the ecclesia is the called out ones. The church is called out. So the essence of the church is not what we see here manifested before our eyes. It's calling. And God has called us to his church. And in that calling, every calling is attached to an assignment. It's just like your cell phone. When somebody called you, they had to dial a number. That number is assigned or attached to you. And when they call you, they had to call your assignment, which is your number. So when you're called to the church, you're called to an assignment. You're called to God's purpose, his will, and his plan. You're not called to church just to shout and dance. You're you're not called into the kingdom. Watch this. You're called to heavenly salvation, but you're not just called into the kingdom to be saved from hell's fire only. So, So if you've been called to a purpose, then your purpose is bigger than you just going to heaven. Your purpose is bigger than you being saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. You have that endowment and that power. Why? To do the work of the assignment of which you've been called to. Right? So church is more than this. Hallelujah. Church is bigger than this. Church is bigger than you. That's why you cannot be the church by yourself because church is bigger than you. And if church is, if, if you are the church, you're so big, watch this, then you're God's size. Hallelujah. You're not God's size. You can't even inhabit the all fullness, effervescence of God. God can only put a foot in you. <laughs> That's all you can handle. Okay, let's go Greek. Uh, 
In the beginning, when God created man, he said, I am giving man dominion. That word dominion is radah. Hebrew, actually, is radah. It's the same connotation in the Greek. In it, it, to have dominion means to radah. Watch. To step down into. That's what it means, to step into. So when God made man, God stepped down into man. But he couldn't step his fullness into man because man can't handle the fullness of glory. You remember Moses on the backside of the wilderness hiding out? And he says, God, show me your glory. And God says, I can't show you my glory. No man can see my glory and live. So he hides Moses in the cleft of a rock and he only shows him his hind parts. Because Moses couldn't handle the full weight of God's glory. You can't handle all of God's glory. Oh, the glory fell on the house. It did, but you didn't receive it all. It had to be dispersed amongst many. Hallelujah. Are you with me? So the church is bigger than us. The church is far bigger than you and I. So God has to come in and recalibrate us so that we can fit in his calling and his plan. So watch, the church doesn't get tweaked. We get tweaked. We get adjusted. We come into church at first and we're like this. God said, I got to adjust you. Come on now. Your heart was stony. It was dark and filled with cold. And God said, I got to adjust your heart. It was filled with bitterness and hatred, mild and malice and all of those things. And God has to come and has to tweak our hearts. So by and by our hearts become more. Tender or pliable. It, it becomes softer, becomes broken in the hands of the maker. And he just makes us over. But it's a process. Somebody says it's a process. So the church is bigger than us. God, in this day, in this season, in this hour, at this moment, in this juncture of life, God is tweaking or recalibrating the church, not the ecclesia, but the church. Not the ecclesia, but the church, the body. Somebody shout, I'm the body. And the body is the church. Shout, I'm the body. We're all part of the body. So the essence of the church is not a building. It's a calling. And God is calling us to, build, uh, to his purpose and not to a building. So the ecclesia is the assembly, it's the gathering of the body of Christ. This is the church, the big C, the global church. It is the ecclesia. It is globally and locally. It is the church of the believers, everybody gathering. Every time we gather, we form the church. Are you hearing me? And we're the called out ones. Somebody shout, I'm called out. So the primary purpose of the church, the church both universally and local sense is the primary vehicle through which God carries out his purpose on the earth. God's purpose is fulfilled through the church. Amen. Not the building. Y'all got to catch it. Not the building, but the people. So the church, somebody shout, that's me. You are the primary vehicle of which the purpose of God is fulfilled in the earth realm. So God's purpose is not fulfilled in the earth realm without you. So you can't just come in church and sit down on your duff. Your blessed beloved. 
hind parts. Amen. Because now, if so, you're not fulfilling the purpose of God. If so, you're not fulfilling the purpose of God. And churches are filling up around the world and they're all just doing this. Preach, black man. They're not fulfilling the purpose of God. You are the vehicle. People are going to works nine to fives every day. They're shopping in the grocery stores. They're uh, window shopping in the malls. And watch, not fulfilling their purpose. But yet they're calling themselves the church. Yes. The who? The layman? Yeah. Oh, what about them? Well, you say everybody's not fulfilling their purpose. Yeah. Yeah, some people, they come to come to church and mm-hmm. fellowship. Sure. And to participate, I guess, through worship. Or sure. Whatever. I mean, everybody can't work in the church, so what's the Why they can't? We're all called, according to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, we're all called to the ministry of reconciliation. The moment the person, the individual got saved, God gave them a ministry, and that's to reconcile. So the work is not just in the church. Remember, we're not talking about the building. There's a work to be done beyond the four walls. Your family members, your neighbors, your co-workers, they're waiting on you to do what God has called you to do. And that's the work of reconciliation, to reconcile. Right? So, so it's the church is God's vehicle and his purpose to fulfill, uh, to fulfill God's purpose. So what is God's purpose? That he'll be glorified in the earth realm. So not just so we can have a magnanimous, great, glorious service where the music is just right and everybody's shouting and dancing. The word is just prolific and profound and all of those things. That's great. But God is calling us beyond that. So the real work begins not here, but the moment you hit the door. So the moment you get this word, you're now activated and cultivated, go and do the purpose and the will of God. So now what you get here, you should be given out there. This, the church is the only place that should have legalized plagiarism. Ah, so you should take you should take what you heard and regurgitate it to another. So so my message becomes your message because my message is his message. So I took it from him. I gave it to you. You got to give it to another. So that's where the work begins. We think, oh, oh, God, do work. He does a work in you, and then it stops. You've been transformed and changed, and it stops there. You are a part of the hose pipe that God wants to funnel his glory through. And if you kink up the hose pipe, then the flow stops. If, 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 If you put a knot where you are, then nothing can flow. So now the next person who was supposed to experience the power and the glory of God, they miss out because you stop. And you sitting at home shouting about the words you got. And what God did in your life. You testifying of the glory of God and how he healed your body, set you free and delivered you and all that. And somebody else over there wishing, well, I wish somebody would come and testify to me about the glory of God. And somebody would come and preach to me and they don't get it. Hallelujah. Because it stopped up with you. 
Hallelujah. That's why I love Facebook. Facebook is a medium and a platform. Watch this so you can get the message out. It was for social media, not for social issues. So that we can socialize about the kingdom. You telling your personal business, your personal problems, what you going through and what they've done to you and, and all of this. I, I cut all that out. As the kingdom of God, we should use every medium available to us to get the message out. Hallelujah. I'm not I'm not against social media and all that. It's when you take the tool that God has given us and you use it for something else other than the purpose. And that's fulfilling his purpose. So the church is the primary vehicle through which God carries out his purpose on the earth realm. So the primary purpose is fulfilled this way. The church reaches out to the world by being the body of Christ. Somebody shout, I am the body. So this is how the body should operate. Amen. First, we should be the heart, be his heart in the earth. Every miracle that was ever performed by Jesus was performed because of compassion, because of his heart. Every miracle was performed because of his compassion, his heart to see people healthy and whole. Every miracle was performed because of compassion. He saw the multitude that was hungry that after he done preached all day long, they had nothing to eat. And he said that they looked like sheep scattered without a shepherd. His heart was engrossed with compassion for the people and said, God, I got to do something. I got to feed these people. Why? Because of the compassion in his heart. When he saw blind Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus calling his name out, he just said, who that? Bring him to me. See, if you didn't have compassion, you would hear the heart's cry and the plea of people and you would turn your back. If you didn't have a heart like Jesus, when somebody says, I have a need, you'd be like, okay, yeah, me too. See you. Me too. And you get up and walk away. It's the good Samaritan riding down the road. They had preachers that had preceded him, saw the man injured on side the road and looked and said, you know, I got stuff I got to do. I can't deal with you right now. (laughs) It was a man with compassion that stopped along the way. Gave up his agenda. Watch this for God's agenda. Gave up his own personal assignment for God's assignment. Gave up his calling for God's calling. Said, hey, what, what, what needs do you have? Hallelujah. So, so we have to be the heart of Christ. Watch this. We also have to be his mouthpiece. Oh, God. Now, here's the tricky part about that. Some of us are saying things God hadn't said. We proclaiming what God has not proclaimed. Oh, God, I'm going to be in trouble, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I promise you, I like to fight. I ain't going to tell you not. Oh, I fight all y'all. <laughs> Woo! You know, we got Photoshop prophets nowadays. Before they prophesy, they have to be presentable. Uh, they got to get their hair cut. 
got to have the lights right. The backdrop got to be right. Y'all, y'all know I'm telling the truth. They, they Photoshop. They, they, they got to get everything right before they give the word. I can't recall a time in the word of God that Elijah, as much as he went through, had to stop and get himself right before he declared the word of the Lord. Matter of fact, matter of fact, Elijah was so ratchet, the kids came out and they said, look at that bald-headed prophet. Y'all remember that? Y'all don't read y'all Bible. And Elijah called the bears out of the woods and they ate the kids up. You know why? Because they were talking about his haircut. He didn't, he, listen, he didn't, he didn't get himself together. He just came and gave what the word of the Lord was. However, how it looked, that's how you got it. John the Baptist was eating locusts and wild honey with camel hair in the wilderness. He looked wild, and he was prophesying the coming of the Lord. He didn't have to go to the barbershop. He had to get his nails done. Didn't have to get no pedicure. Y'all quiet. <laughs> no man unit. What's that? The hair but, but the mouth of God, right? And the body of Christ is called to be the mouth of Jesus, that we proclaim what he has proclaimed. Ah, but we prophesy in cars and houses. Now, does God want you to have a car and a house? Absolutely. Does God want you to have a job and, and a raise? Absolutely. God, God, God is not against gold. God wants glory. Oh, God, can I say it again? God is not against gold. He's, he's for glory. And he knows if he give you the gold, he'll get, he'll get the glory. So God is not against you having stuff. It's just when we become the mouthpiece of God, we have to make sure we're declaring what God says. Because you've got to have a testimony. Somebody shout, you've got to have a testimony. Tell your neighbor, do you have a testimony? God wants you to have a testimony so you can testify the goodness of God. Right? God wants you to testify, for it is the goodness of God that leadeth one unto repentance. So God says, I want you to share my goodness to how good I've been to you. Watch this so it can draw people. Oh, God. So it can draw people. When you begin to testify of this great God that's a healer, a deliverer, a provider, people are like, wow. And it pulls them and it draws them. Why? Because it's a testimony. We have overcome the evil one by the blood of the lamb and by the word. The word of God, testimony. So when we testify, we're testifying the goodness of God, how we overcome. Watch this so they can overcome. Hallelujah. So his mouth, his heart, his mouth. Ah, Y'all going to have a hard time with this one. His hands. Because his hands is twofold. So his hands is one for healing and helping. We have to be his hands in the body of Christ to lay hands to others to be healed. But then also helping. The help part is what we miss out in church because, again, like some Lay people, as Sister Angela was inquiring of earlier, they come in and sit. Well, how can you be the hands of Christ if you're sitting on your hands? I'll say it to you again. Everybody wants to hear well doing thy good and faithful servant, but ain't nobody doing. Nobody doing. 
We're sitting on it. And watch this. We want to be served, but we don't want to serve. I, I come to church and I want you to do for me, but I, I ain't doing for the church. I, I, I want, watch this. So much so, we call it, what service are you going to? 9.15 or 11.15. Look, we've in our expression of terminology, I'm going to get served. What service are you going to? I am going to be served. At what point do you stop going to service and you start serving? That's my question to you. Uh, at what point do uh, you stop looking for others to do for you that you become so engulfed, ingrained in the love of God that you want to do for somebody else? When when you get to a point where you got enough word where you're now giving word? Got to be his hands. Got to be his mouth. Got to be his heart. And then we got to be his feet. Got to be his feet. That makes up the body. Got to be his feet. Now watch, the feet is the dirtiest part. Nobody wants to be the feet. Toe jams. Athlete's foot. Foot fungus. We don't want to be the feet. We don't want to be the feet. But watch this. The feet helps you stand. The feet helps you stand. It balances you. You know, if you cut your feet off, you have no balance. You can't even stand. The feet are, watch this, one of the most important part of the body besides the head. is the feet. Because watch, the feet is also the mode of transportation. It's the feet that carries the body where it needs to go. It's the feet that's important. It is the most dirtiest part of the body because it walks on this dirty earth. That's why when Jesus came to his disciples, he washed his disciples' feet. He said, I need to clean your feet because I need you, when you go into this world, though you're going to be dirty, I need to make sure you're clean when you go in. You may come out dirty, but you're going in clean. Oh, God. Ah, ah, I need to wash you up and cleanse you up because I'm sending you into a dirty world. And listen, you got to prepare yourself for dirt. You know, dealing with church folk is dirty. And if you ain't ready to be dirty, then don't even call yourself the church. Oh, God. So he has to clean us up. Watch this in the church building. Wash us with the reading of his word so we can be washed to go out into a dirty world. Amen. Tell your neighbor, you're the big toe. Amen. You're the big toe. You're the big toe. Amen. Yes, Lord. Some of y'all, that little lint between the toes. <laughs> Acting tonight. First Corinthians chapter number 12. Y'all crazy. Verse 12, it says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Somebody shout, I'm a part of the body. Hear this. Don't claim to be a part if you're not going to do your part. Don't claim to be a part if you're not going to do your part. Don't claim to be a part if you're not going to do your part. Oh, I'm the church, and you ain't doing jack. You ain't a part of nothing. No, you're not. Oh, oh, I'm part of the body. Yes, you, if you are, then do your part. Do your part. 
Because if your hand says this is a part of the body and it won't do nothing, what good is the hand? You might as well cut it off. What's the point of having it? You got to wash and do it, take care of it, and do all that, and it won't do nothing. The same that you do for this hand, you're doing for that hand, but this hand ain't doing nothing. You go get your nails done, you get both hands done. You don't get the one that ain't doing nothing done. You get them both done. Come on, y'all. You know what I'm telling you. So, so if you're going to be a part of the body and call yourself to be a part of the body, then you have to do something. Do your part. Tell your neighbor, do your part. Oh, I told you y'all wasn't going to like me tonight. So, in Ephesians chapter number 5, it says, Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Tell your neighbor, you're a sacrifice. He gave himself for her to make her, here it is, holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. So the church, somebody shout the church. The church has to be washed by the watering through the word. We got to be washed. Tell your neighbor you need a bath. You need to bathe in the word. That's what the building is for, is to make sure that you're washed and bathed in the word. So when you come on Sunday, it, you should bring you a towel and a sponge. When, when you come on Tuesday, you should bring some some towels and a sponge because you're about to be washed in the word. And that's why it's important every time the church house open, the building open up, you should be ready to run into it. Why? So you can get washed. So you can be washed. Because this dirty world has, fil- has, has caused you to be filthy. Amen. So you got to come and get washed. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Can I ask you a question tonight? How are you going to hate something that God loves? I hate church. How are you going to hate church when God loves the church? I hate church. God loves the church. Now you think in the building. Look at your neighbor say you the church. How you gonna hate something that God loves? He loves the church. Point to yourself and say, I'm the church. How you gonna say I hate this person when God loves that person? Uh, I can't stand sister so and so and brother muchy much. How you gonna hate what God loves? God loves his church. God loves his church. He loves you. Somebody shout, he loves me. God has a love for his church. So as a love for his church, this is how we ought to respond. Watch this. We ought to love, have love for one another. We ought to have a love for one another. The word declares in John, it says that they will know you are my disciples by your love one for another. You know how the world knows that you belong to the church or you are the church? 
not by your church role attendance, not by your financial giving statement, not by your community service to the community. You know how the world knows that you are the church and that you love God? Watch this, by your love for one another. Not what you do out there, but what you do right here. One to another. That, that's how they know. They look at you and say, man, wow, look at that love. How are you going to love that person? I'm a disciple. Hallelujah. That's how the world knows who we belong to. Watch this, by what we do and how we treat one another. Oh, God. So as a love for his church, watch this. We ought to love the assembly of worship for worship. Assemble for worship. Amen. <laughs> so you say, I love church, but you don't want to come to church. Uh, I don't want to assemble with the other worshipers. But I love the Lord. But you don't want to love what God loves. He loves to see his children gathering together. Oh, God, it was such a. Such a heartwarming thing when my son came home and his siblings, you know, to see them all again, see my kids in one place. (laughs) To see all my kids under one roof. That warms my heart. Think of the father when all of his children come together under one place. And we say, oh, I don't want to go to church today. And then the father's like... You don't want to hang out with your family. You, you don't want to visit your brothers and sisters. You, you don't want to hang out with them and go love on them. I, I know you had a long day and a rough day, but daddy's cooking dinner and I'm inviting all y'all over and you're going to say no. You got other things to do. You got other things on your schedule. You, wait a minute. You require everybody to break their agenda to come out and hang out with you, but you can't break your agenda to come hang out with me. Ah, you want them to make sacrifices for you and do for you, but you won't make a sacrifice for me and do for me? Y'all quiet up in here. There has to be a love for the assembly of the body of Christ. And we should should be so eager every week to say, man, I can't wait to see Pastor Adam. I can't wait to see Sister Andrew. I can't wait to testify and and to share with Sister Carrie Ann what the Lord is doing. I can't wait because I know if I celebrate, if I testify with them, they're going to celebrate with me. There's got to be a love for the assembly of the worshipers. Watch this. A love for his church would mean you will serve as worship. Your worship, your servitude becomes worship. Becomes worship. I shared with our leaders on Sunday, there's an aromatic word, habed. It means to be changed into something else. It's the aromatic word for worship. It means to be transformed into something else, Right? Is also translated to serve. So to worship in Aramaic means to be changed into something else and to serve. Let, let me bring it home to you. You ever been in a service where the worship was so high you found yourself doing something that you've never done before? You may not be a runner, but when true worship hits you, you laugh. 
uncontrollably. You cry uncontrollably. You lay out on the floor in your best suit. You, you, you run around the building. When worship hits you in such a way, you're transforming into something else. I remember when I had an encounter with the Lord, I was a Catholic boy in a charismatic church and the worship was so high. And I'm looking at these folks speaking in tongues. I'm like, oh, Lord, what I got myself into people lifting their hands and standing up. You know, we didn't do that in the Catholic church. And I'm sitting there like, ooh, I'm like, these people, ooh, ooh, ooh. And the worship got so high before I knew it, I had. I was, I was like this. I'm looking at these folks, and all of a sudden, I'm like. And I got caught up in worship. And when I came down out of worship, I opened up my eyes. Everybody was sitting down, and I was still worshiping. Transforming into something else. I was like, Lord, I, and just caught by worship. Worship will transform you. Having you doing stuff you never, you be like, folks, girl, you was running across the chest. I did what? You know, you come, remember them days we used to get high? And all them testimonies the next day? Girl, you was dancing on top of the tables. That wasn't me. Here's the video. Because them spirits got you. But you got caught by the wrong spirit. Right? So when worship hit you, you're transformed into something else. And then watch this. You become a servant. Watch. You are there to serve the Lord. You serve up your worship. You're there and submitted to whatever God will have you to do. You'll find yourself at the door, opening the door. Why? Because it's worship. You'll be going to the bathroom and see trash on the ground. You'll start picking it up. Because worship. Your work becomes worship. Your work becomes worship. Amen. You know, God, watch this. Uh, when Jesus, oh God, when, when Jesus was at the house of Lazarus, he had two sisters, Martha and who? Amen. Say it again, Martha and who? Yeah, see, see, Martha was the worker and Mary was the worshiper. And Martha comes in while Mary is worshiping at the feet of Jesus. Martha comes in and say, Jesus, what? What the? All this work? It. She worshiping. And we got all this work to do. You know what Jesus said? She has chosen the better half. Now watch. He didn't condemn Martha for the work. He didn't condemn her for working. He simply said Mary has chosen the better half. So if she's chosen the better half, then there's another half. (laughs) There's two halves. That's work and worship. But you got to know which one to choose and when to choose it. So there is work, but your work has to become worship. So while you're worshiping, you're working. Y'all, it's the purpose of the church. It's that now we come in, we worship God, but we're serving God at the same time. Some of us just want to worship. I just want to worship the Lord. That's all I want to do. I'm just practicing for heaven. We're just worshiping God all day. Jesus said this, work while it's day, for when night coming, no man working. So in other words, I need you to work while it's day, because there will be a nighttime coming when no man work, but while it is day, work. So he never condemns work, 
You just got to choose the better half of it at the time it's supposed to be chosen. Are you hearing me? Serve as worship, fellowship in faith. If you have a love for his church, then you ought to fellowship in faith. What does it mean to fellowship in faith? That I take you not as face value, but I have faith as I'm fellowshipping with you. You'll be transformed like I've been transformed. Amen. Fellowship and faith, because you're going to meet some thieves, <laughs> some crooks, some robbers, some backstabbers, but you got to learn how to fellowship in faith. In other words, I trust the God that's in you. I don't trust you. I trust the God in you. I don't trust man. I trust God. But the God that's in man, I trust. So I got a fellowship in faith. Now, I'm no fool. I still keep one eye open. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we fellowship in faith, trusting God that along the way, the same God that transformed you is going to transform them. The same God that changed you is going to change them. And here's the process, the ugly process to that. The church don't want to go through that process because the first time a person makes a mistake, we want to throw them out. The, the, the first time they revert back to who they used to be, we want to stop being with them. They may slip and cuss. You don't be oh, jeep, no, that, okay. You know, I learned in dealing with kids with over 15 years of uh, mental health, uh, working in the mental health arena, is that sometimes some, some behaviors aren't warrant your attention. You know that kid that's throwing a temper tantrum in the corner? That's not wanting your attention all the time. Just turn your back. Walk away. Amen. Then you'll be oh, all of a sudden. Okay. They'll start doing something else. It's the same in the body of Christ. You're going to see, they're going to slip and cuss, don't even pay it no mind. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Your spiritual self. I cast that out in Jesus' name. No. It's a process. Amen. It's a process. Trust the process. Trust the process. Just love on them. Just stay there. Hallelujah. You know when you first get a dog, that dog going to bite and nibble at you. He's going to scratch at you. He's going to poop on the floor. Yeah, I think you said something else, but I ain't going to say that. <laughs> But you know they do what they do. It's a process. It's the same with the saints. It's a process. So you fellowship in faith. It's my child fellowship in faith. Uh, number five, because we're dealing with the church, you've got to encourage uh, one another in faith. Encourage one another in faith. Got to encourage one another. We all need encouragement. We all need encouragement. We're all going to have those blue Mondays, those dark days. We all need encouragement. Amen. We're always looking to the pastor for encouragement. When y'all going to encourage me? Come on. Come on. Come on. Amen. We all, we all, tell your neighbor we all need encouragement. Amen. Say apostle need encouragement too. Amen. You know, so when y'all say amen, that's encouraging. When y'all say praise the Lord, that's encouraging. Amen. amen. In, in Acts, it says, all the believers were in one heart and mind. 
No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own. But they shared everything they had. Somebody shout everything. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in, watch, all of them. In all of them. Not just in the apostles. Oh, y'all miss it in the text. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. His work was happening to everybody. Why? Because they all was on one mind and of one heart. And watch this. That there were no needy person among them. Hmm. Help us, Holy Ghost. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had a need. Can I tell you something that y'all may not like? But this is God's welfare system before the welfare system came in place. God always intended for the resources to funnel through his house. He always, it was always his heart's desire that when people needs were to be met, it would be met through the church. You know why? Because when it's met with the world, by the world, the world gets the glory. But when it's done through the church, then God gets the glory. That the glory God desires for himself. Right. So watch this. You may be as an individual go out there. Oh, I want to serve the community. And you give your money and you go out there and you serve the community and you do all that. When the news come out there and say, you know, you have such a big heart. Yes. You know, uh, this is who gets the glory. But when it comes to the church, and it's funneled through the church, and the news come out there, what church are you, the first thing, what church are you a part of? Amen. Amen. You, now the glory goes to him and not to them. And that's God's desire. I, I shared this testimony. I have a very wealthy, wealthy friend. His wife and I are real good friends. And, and he, he, he's kind of... How can I say it? He's a believer, but struggling. Yeah. Yeah. He gives a lot of money to the church, but he says, I prefer to give my money directly. We were sitting at lunch one day and, you know, we were talking about church on the levee and his wife supports church on the levee. And and he was saying, you know, I'd rather just give my money to the individuals and not the organization. I'd rather give it directly to the people. And not the people who give it to the people. Oh, God. And I'm not going to say his name because they watch the live stream, but he know what I'm talking about. But I was like, so at the end of the day, who gets the glory? You or God? Because when they see you give it, they're going to thank you. And they're going to forget to thank God. Right? 
So God's system was always for the finances to flow through the church. I know we've messed that up. And I repent for every pastor, for every church that took your money and bought the big house and the car while you were evicted out of your house, while your car got repoed. I repent on their behalf that they took your money and did wrong with it and all of that stuff. But it's still God's original intent for the resources to flow through the church. And just because they messed it up, don't stop giving. Y'all quiet up in here. Just because they didn't do right, find a place that is doing right, and you funnel your resources through that channel. Y'all got strangely quiet, except for three of y'all. It was always God's intent to take care of his people. Not the government. That the church was God's vehicle. To get resources to his people. Matter of fact, the first food bank was set up in the book of Acts, I think chapter 14, where uh, Stephen was uh, placed as administrator of the food bank, that the apostles were serving tables. And he said, look, we, we working hard, kind of like the pastor Keith. And, and um, he said, we working hard. We need to appoint somebody who has the same mind and heart as we do and place them over the food distribution. Watch this, so that we can labor in the word and teach the word while they take care of this. So Stephen was appointed as a food bank administrator, and he distributed food out to all the needy people. It was God's intent for the resources to come through the house of God. Ah, God. So when the money comes in, watch. The apostles didn't hold on to the money. They distributed the money. To everybody with a need, they knew where to go. We run to... Payday uh, loan, cash cow, y'all telling on yourself. What's these other ones? I don't know. Yeah, we run to all those places, but we don't run to the church. Now, watch, of course, we know that people run to the church to take advantage of the church and all that kind of stuff. Okay, um, so the love for his church. So if you have a love for his church, watch this. You also pray in faith. In Acts chapter number four, I'm almost done. It says, after they prayed, somebody shout prayer is important. After they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken. Y'all thought only in the book of Acts chapter number two that things shook. But you know, the apostles and the gathering of the believers, the church when it came together, just about every time they prayed, something shook. They were praying for Peter. They were praying for Paul and Silas. The jailhouse shook. Every time prayer happened, something's shaking. So while they were praying, the place where they were meeting shook. It was shaking. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Tell your neighbor, pray in faith. The church should be praying in faith. I'm not talking about the building, the people. We're praying, but are we praying in faith? We're praying, but are we praying in faith? Are we really believing what we're praying for? So so let's talk about prayer for a second. Uh, Prayer, true prayer, and the essence of prayer is not praying for what you want. That's a petition. Prayer is praying the will of the Father. God, what's your purpose? What do you desire? What will you have me to do? 
Where, where will you have me to go? God, I am here to fulfill your will. That is prayer. When Jesus prayed, he prayed the will of the Father. Father, if thy will be done. Matter of fact, he said, when you pray, and this, this, this really is kind of um, is mind-blowing. The disciples with Jesus three and a half years, they're seeing all kind of miracle signs and wonder, people walking on water, people being raised from the dead, blinded eyes open, deaf ears are hearing, lame people are leaping and walking and doing the jig. I mean, all kind of stuff has happened over these three years. Stuff is happening. And, you know, they stop Jesus one day and they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Wait a minute. What are you saying, Apostle? They knew the miracles and signs and wonders happened because of prayer. <laughs> uh, we want to know how all this stuff is done. I don't want to know how to do the miracle. Teach me how to pray so the miracle can happen. Teach me how to pray because I see the power of prayer. Every time you pray, something happens. You know why it happened? Because he prayed the will of the Father. Not my will, but. He said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven. Ah, 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 that's enough right there. Thy will be done. <laughs> That's it. That's it. As long as your will done. And it's not. On earth. Not on earth. In earth. Because if it was done on earth, then his will could be knocked off of earth. His will needs to be done in earth. Tell your neighbor, I'm an earthen vessel. God wants his will done in you, not on you. Ah, uh, Because if his will is done on you, then somebody will come and give you another will to do something else. Or even your own will will try to overconquer, over conquer and overpower God's will. But when God's will is fulfilled and done in you, nobody can do that. They can't take it out you. They can't move it. You can't even shake it. You, you can't help it. You be in your bed. You be trying to fight the will of God, but his will is done in your life. You'll jump up at three o'clock in the morning. You'll call that person who you offended. So are we really praying in faith? Because the prayer of faith is praying God's will. Because when you pray in God's will, what you pray in his will shall be fulfilled. The quickest way to get a prayer answer is to pray what God said to pray. Pray his will. And what's his will? His word. So I pray God's word. I pray his word. I pray his word. God, you own a cattle on a thousand hills. You said I'm the head and not the tail. You said I shall be above and not be. You said that. I didn't say that. This is your word. And your word shall go forth and it now shall not come back void. God, this is what you said. You said that I'll be healed by the stripes upon you. You said that. Pray his word. Pray his word. Watch this. If you have a love for his church, you receive his word in faith. You receive it in faith. So when you come on a Sunday or a Tuesday, I'm way over. No, no, I'm doing good. I'll give you some more. When you come, you got to receive his word in faith. Amen. Receive it in faith. Receive it in faith. 
when you come in. That's why, watch this, I said on Sunday, probably about 30% of y'all caught it, 70% missed it, is that when God, when you receive the word of God in your spirit, there should be a response to that receiving. There should be a response. What, what does that look like? When you receive it in your spirit, you receive it like it's already been settled and manifested in your spirit. So if you've been believing God for a healing, even though you're sick in your body on chemo and you're on dialysis and you receive the word of the Lord that you shall be healed, there should be a response. Watch this. I am healed in Jesus name. And you begin to shout and dance. Why? Because your spirit received it in faith. That's how I can tell when y'all receiving the word by faith, because not by what's happening right now, but what God has already done in your life. Amen. Because if you knew you had the winner lottery ticket. You'd be shouting. Watch this. You didn't even pick up the check yet. Yeah, you don't quit your job. You calling your job boss. Listen, I ain't never coming back. Calling your spouse too. Listen, uh, baby, this is me. I ain't never coming back. But watch, you receive it, and there's a response to that reception, and it's far greater than watch this what you're going through. That response is, is just not based upon what you see in your natural eyes, but what you received in your spirit. And it'll cause you to jump on your feet and shout. That's how when somebody in the house, in the congregation, I could tell when they really, really got it. They receive it by faith. They be crying and hands lifted. You don't know what they're going through, but yet they worshiping God. You know why? Because they received the word by faith that what God said was going to happen. Watch this already happened in their spirit. Are you hearing me this evening? And that's how we ought to be, that every time we hear the word, we ought to receive the word by faith. There should be a response. There's, there should be a response. And watch this. They devoted themselves, and we're going back to Acts chapter number two. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This is the church, y'all. Somebody shout, this is the church. This is what we're called to. We're called to, watch this, to receive the teachings. And we're called to fellowship. And we're called to breaking of bread. And the most important, we're called to prayer. Watch this. When that happens, everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers. Somebody shout all the believers. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continue to meet together. Oh, God, that's going to be a tough one now. You church folk don't want to go to church every day. They met together in the temple courts. Now, hear this. I know there's this great move of house ministry. Bless the Lord for it. People are saying that we don't need to go to church today no more. We just meet from house to house like the New Testament church. They call it, matter of fact, they call it the New Testament church. They call it the Acts 242 church. And they're saying that's all we need. We don't need to go into in the temples because that's what the early church did. The early church just didn't meet in houses. That's the text. There it is. Read it. Read it together with me. Every day. In the temple courts. Every day. Then watch. 
They broke bread in their houses and ate together. One translation say they met in the temples every day and they went from house to house breaking bread. So they met in the temple and they went from house to house. House to house is important. This fellowship is more intimate. Know then that labor among you. Some of you will learn one another much better from house to house than you will in the temple. Some of y'all don't even know the person on the road next to you. That's why it's important to meet house to house. So you get to know them. That's the community development of the body of believers, of the church of Christ. Meeting house to house, breaking bread. But you can't forsake the meeting of the temple for the house. That's the New Testament church. Meeting in the temple and house to house. Glory to God. Oh, we don't need to go to church. We just meet in the house. The devil is a lie. Follow the word. Tell your neighbor, follow the word. word. Yeah, you can't. I don't care what translation you read. It's all the same. That they met daily in the temple and broke bread from house to house. That's the word of God. That's the word of God. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to that number daily those who were being saved. Every day people were added. Why? Because they met in the temple and they met from house to house in fellowship. That's the church. Somebody shout, that's the church. Somebody shout, that's us. So the ultimate purpose of the church is to love and to worship God and make him known throughout the earth. Not the building. But you and I, the ultimate purpose of you and I is to love God to worship God, and to make him known throughout the earth. Amen. The ultimate purpose. Ultimate purpose. That's your assignment. That's your calling. God called you to this. When he called you, he called you to that. He called you to that right there. Amen. To love him, to worship him, and to make him known throughout the earth. That's your calling. I don't know what I'm called to. I don't know my purpose. I don't know what my, my assignment is. It's my point to that. Say, that's me. It's me. That's, 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 that's your purpose right there. Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life. Book sold millions. You know, if you Google the number one question that people ask themselves, at one point, the question was, what is my purpose in life? That was the most asked question of all questions you could ask. What is my purpose? That right there. To love God, to worship him, and to make him known. And the way you make him known and the way you love him and the way you worship him is to be his heart, to be his mouth, to be his hands, and to be his feet in the earth realm. Because all of that is part of your worship. All of that is part of your worship. Your heart for people, 
your mouth, your declarations of faith, your hands of service and generosity, your feet that carries, that are prepared with the preparation of peace, your feet that brings the gospel. Beautiful are the feet of them that proclaim the gospel. You are the vehicle that God wants to use in the earth realm. You are the vehicle that God wants to use to bring glory into this earth. You know why our world is dying and failing, is filled with chaos and calamity? It's because we have failed to fulfill our assignment. We have failed to fulfill our assignment. We filled up churches, but failed at purpose. We filled up churches. We preach in sanctuaries filled with people. While man is preaching in sanctuaries, Jesus preached in cemeteries. He went out and preached to the dead bones, the dry bones that they may live. That's our purpose. Let's go in the dry, barren places, dead deserts, and to call the dry bones alive. To call the dry bones at your house, at your job. At the grocery store you frequent at. Amen. Watch this. Even the old clubs you used to attend. Come on Amen. Dry bones come alive. 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 I declare in the name of Jesus that we'll be vehicles and vessels that will go forth and declare that dry bones will come alive. That graves will let loose of dead bodies and they will come forth and declare the glory of God. Dry bones. Dry bones come alive. That the tombs will become empty. The tombs. Not, not the mortar tombs, but the tombs will become wombs and birth forth life that others can experience life. You are a tomb holding dead bones. And God says, I want you to be a womb to push out life so dry bones can come alive. Would you bow your heads with me this evening? This is the purpose of the church purpose of the church the purpose of the church this is my purpose this is your purpose this is every purpose of every believer that would declare that Jesus is Lord of their life that God will fulfill your will and your will God is that your house be filled Father, in the name of Jesus, we repent of our error. We ran into the church and we refused to run out into the world. And you have called us to a dark place where we want to just reside in your marvelous light. When you have called us to bring the light into a dark place. So, Father, today, we repent, God for not fulfilling your purpose of which we've been called to, to be the church, not to be in the church, but to be the church, the church that will gather with other churches in the church, but to be the church. So, Father, now, I declare in this place that every tomb 
that has housed dead bones will come alive today and will produce life. If you're here on this evening, whether by way of live stream on YouTube or Facebook, wherever you are, if that's been you, if you've been a tent housing dead bones instead of becoming a tabernacle producing life, then God is calling you today. The ecclesia calling you out, calling you out today. Maybe you have made some mistakes. You have slammed the door and you have, you have shut the door on God. God is calling you back today. He's knocking on the door. As he said in the book of Revelation, I stand at the door and I knock it. God is knocking on your heart today. That's you today. And you want to get it right with God. Made some mistakes. Fell into some pits of sin. God is here to pull you up again. That's you. With your heads bowed. That's you today. Just lift your head and make eye contact with me. I see you. Put it down once you have done so. Once I've acknowledged you, you put your head down. Any others today will say, that's me. Make eye contact with me today. I see you. I see you. Any others? Any others? Today, he's calling you out. He's calling you. He's calling you. He's calling you. He's calling you. Don't decline the call. Don't send him to voicemail. He's calling you today. If that's you, respond right now. Thank you, Father. God, we bless you. God, we thank you. God, we give you glory. For those of you who are online, you can simply hashtag washed in the box below. Washed. Thank you, Father. We bless you. We thank you. Can we all stand to our feet this evening? For those of you who responded, there'll be cards in the foyer. Fill those cards out. Make sure. I saw you. Heaven saw you. I saw you and heaven saw you. Fill that card out. Bring it back to me. Place it in my hand. God is doing a work, and he's preparing his church, preparing his church, preparing his church. He's preparing us. He's preparing us. Father, we thank you again, and we bless you for the word that has gone forth. We thank you for the washing of your word on tonight, that every filth of the world, God, has been washed off of us. So now we're made clean clean, and whole, God, to go back into a world to do the work and the will of which you have called us to. Thank you, God, that you have chosen us, a chosen people set apart for your kingdom and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. You're standing in need of prayer on this evening. Uh, you can simply dial the number 225-953-7002 is the number if you're standing in need of prayer. Amen. For those of you who are online today, you can all you can send us an email at prayer at elevatechurchbr.com. If you don't have a church home, even here in the sanctuary or online, you don't have a church home and you're looking for a place to call your home, a place to connect to, you can text the word JOIN at 225-361-2016. Can we give the Lord another hand clap of praise, if you would? And with the same enthusiasm and excitement, it's giving time. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you're excited 
about your giving on this evening. Uh, you should be as equally excited about your giving as you are for salvation. Amen. I'm going to say that again. You should be as equally excited about giving as you are about salvation. Amen. Because watch this, part of your giving is helping fund the kingdom of God for others to be saved. Oh, God. So you coming into the kingdom, you're one seed. Jesus said this in the gospel. He said, unless a seed falls to the ground, it abides alone. But if it falls to the ground and dies, it produces a multitude of fruit. So you're coming into the kingdom, you're by yourself. But when you help support fund the kingdom, it helps now for other souls to come into the kingdom. So your seed produces a greater harvest than the seed that you sown. God. That's why you ought to be excited, because now you're helping funding the work of the ministry, getting the gospel out. So watch, you may never go to Africa, but you'll see the cause a missionary to go to Africa. You may not ever grab a microphone and preach and proclaim the gospel with your mouth, but you're giving just preach the message that your mouth probably would never, ever get to preach. So every gift you give, the Bible says that it adds to your account in heaven. So every time you give, it's added to account. So when a soul gets saved at the hand of this ministry, by the mouth of this ministry, it's added to your account. Good God Almighty. Amen. Hello. So, so every soul that comes through those doors, you can just go put it on your registry. Check. Soul one. Check. 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 Every time you sow a seed, it's adding to your account. Can you say amen? So that's why you ought to be excited about giving because your giving means more souls. To the kingdom of God. Amen. 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 So as you're preparing your seeds on tonight, you ought to celebrate what God's going to do off your seed. You ought to celebrate. You ought to celebrate. That's why the Bible says that we should come with joy and gladness when we give. You got to have a grateful and a cheerful heart. We say it every week. Why? Because of the souls that's going to be one. Right? Can you stand to your feet? All your gifts that are prepared, I'm going to give electronically. You can give through our church app. If you have not downloaded our church app, I would encourage you to do so. You also can text to give. 84321 is the number to give electronically. We have cash app established for you. Uh, people say, well, I got all these means because everybody got different ways of giving. Hey. Amen. Y'all just trying to find ways to give money. No, everybody do it different. Amen. Yeah. If we didn't have that, they'd be like, man, you got Vimeo? You got cash app? No, we ain't got it. Oh, well, I can't give. So we're taking away all of your excuses. Amen. So cash app, Elevate BR. Uh, we have our church app, which is the best way to give because by you giving electronically to, through our cash app, at the end of the year, you can download your own giving statement. Amen. You can go to the website. You can download it for your taxes and download your giving statement. You also can track your giving throughout the year. If you missed the time of giving, of offering, you can go and see what you missed. Hallelujah. That's good stuff there. Amen. So if, if you got to go retro and give back a couple months, a couple years, a couple decades. Amen. Right? Question for you before we give. Do you have a problem with tithing? Just ask yourself, do I have a problem we're tithing. Ask yourself, do I have a problem with giving an offering? Because you got to ask yourself that every week. Do I have a problem with it? Because that's going to be the, the thing that hinder you from giving if you have a problem with it. 
Amen. So as you're preparing your offering on tonight, amen, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. If it's your tithe that you're giving tonight, then obey the Spirit of God. If it's an offering, let the Spirit of God tell you what to give. We should always be spirit-led in our offering giving. Our tithe, we know that God has attached uh, a certain percentage to the tithe, but your offering is a free will offering, so you need to allow the Spirit of God to dictate that giving. So when you're ready, hold that seed in the air. I'm going to make our faith declaration on tonight. For those of you online, if you would like to give by traditional means of mailing your gift in, you can do so as well to 10957 Greenwell Springs Road, Baton Rouge, Louisiana is the address. Hallelujah. If you guys, again, haven't downloaded our church app, we have done some updates. It's not completely completed yet, but I think you will enjoy the new look of our app. Amen. Once you have hit that send button on your electronic giving, amen. Hold it up in the air, even your electronic device, if you gave electronically. Let's make our faith declaration. Would you say, God is the source of my increase? All that I have and shall receive comes from him. My giving is a reflection of my trust in God. So today I give with a grateful and a cheerful heart in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Would you come forth starting the rear facing the walls and bring forth your offering on tonight? Come with a grateful and a cheerful heart if you would. Man, September is a month of birthdays, and uh, amen, October, amen, so we still got some birthdays, amen. Okay, your birthday is when, tomorrow? Yeah, end of September, huh? Amen. Happy early birthday. TJ, sing happy birthday. Put them on the spot. No, that's it. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah that one. Well, he sing too, but... Rokia. <laughs> Stretch for your hand towards the offering. Father, now in the name of Jesus, we thank you for every seed that was sown. And Father, we declare that every hand that has sown this seed, God, will receive an abundant harvest in return. Father, we declare now, God, that your goodness and your mercy, God, will chase us down, run us over, God. And, Father, we give you the glory for all that shall be done in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hey, so, amen. Um, before we depart, our dear brother, Pastor TJ, just experienced his birthday. He really don't like to make a big deal of it, but one of his requests was that he had some good old soul food. So, sister has prepared a, a soul food dinner for him. Amen. In the back, so y'all all get a plate to carry home with Surprise. you on, on his behalf. So, amen. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. So y'all don't leave without some of this food. She made all this food, and I ain't trying to eat all this stuff. <laughs>